This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by FingerTech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out FingerTech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. FingerTech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. Within the Taconic Wilderness on a cat-led hike, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And I'm Kyle's cats! (laughs) 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 And today on the podcast, our interview with Skyline Builders, Alan Belkin, Joshua Kong, and Kyle Loyola. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have five news items for you today. First up. BattleBots builders took home top prizes this weekend at SmashBots, a one-day tournament held in Southern California, streamed live over Twitch, and organized by Kronos captain Jerry Serafin and Deep Six team member Brad Hansted. In the 12-pound division, Whiplash captain Matt Vasquez took home first place with his horizontal spinner Whomper. In the Beetleweights, Mad Catter driving Calvin Eba took home first place with Lynx, which remains one of the winningest three-pounders on the planet with more than a half-dozen first-place finishes to date. In second place was Big Deal team member Tommy Wong and his scary dual horizontal spinner Droopy, followed in third by Malice team member David Lia and his control bot Unknown Avenger. Speaking of live events, Nellie the Ellie bot Captain Sarah Mollian brought her much-beloved elephant-themed bonker bot out to Robots Live this weekend, where it bonked it up with a number of classic bots from Robot Wars. In video the team posted to Facebook, Nellie was violently thrown out of the arena in a chaotic rumble. An update now to a story we brought you last week. Hydra Captain Jake Ewert doubled down on the existence of his bot's new vertical attachment, insisting in a Facebook comment that it's, quote, very real. Last week, I had speculated that the attachment was perhaps an elaborate and expensive prank by the Eworts. Personally, I'm waiting for test box footage, Jake. I don't I don't think it's a prank. I think it's real. I think that when people were like, you can't have a bike rack to fight huge, he was like, fine. I'll build this. Okay, all right. He'd have to gut the entire inside of the robot, take out all the tanks, all of that stuff, and then put in a whole yeah. new motor system. Yeah. With, uh, why? Ha- okay, did he bring yeah. two hydras? Did he bring one vertical hydra and one flipper hydra? Is that is that what we're thinking? Or did he That's... use one body and then literally swap out everything on the inside? Uh, Either one is plausible considering the resources of that team, yes. 
Okay, but Hydra's made, like, completely of titanium. Uh, to build a second uh, Hydra just to make Vert Hydra, it's preposterous, Kyle, okay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> We're talking about a sport where people spend, like, tens of thousands of dollars to go break each other's stuff. Like, the whole thing's preposterous. So that's that's irrelevant, right? He he was told he could not use a bike rack, a very simple and affordable solution to fight huge. So he said, fine, I'll go ridiculous and expensive, and maybe you won't make fun of me anymore or, or make new rules that will prevent me from utilizing a strategy. I think it makes perfect sense. Hilarious if true, and uh, if true, I don't know. Even more respect to the E-words from, from me. BattleBots this week teased their first photo from the 2021 season, which appeared to show blacksmith and free shipping going head-to-head engulfed in flames. Check out the photo on blacksmith's Facebook page. And finally, in Team Swag news, Gruff is launching a brand new fan store and coming out with some pretty hot items, notably rally towels and miniature license plates. Check them out at www.gruffstore.com. Team Witch Doctors put together. Wait, 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 wait. You mean okay? They didn't call it gruffstuff.com. Oh, Chris. Okay. All right. Listen, I'm about to Google gruffstuff.com on my oh, work God. computer. No, no. Oh no. Should I? Should I? It, yeah. It, it all gets no. logged by IT. Okay. All right. Gruff stuff. Do it in incognito mode. Okay. All right. I'm gonna open up an incognito. I, I I don't think I don't think incognito prevents prevents IT from seeing this. All right, let me see this. Gruffstuff.com. Loading. Oh, thank God. It's a domain that's for sale, Chris. I've I've dodged a bullet. Uh can we let uh the the team behind Gruff know that their uh that their URL is trash and they need to get gruffstuff.com? <laughs> maybe uh maybe we can uh we can buy it uh as a gift for sam mcgamis team witch doctors put together a pretty sweet deal for witch doctor supporters offering them free team poker chips with a special coupon code if you'd like to get that coupon code yourself sign up to become a witch doctor supporter on facebook and that's it for this week's news i'm just going to point out that that was a much smarter decision than just saying hey who wants poker chips go ahead and take them and then spending what, like 14, 17, 23 hours that week uh, dispersing those amongst our guests? Kyle, are you t- just, you're talking just, about me, is that correct? I might be I might be mentioning you, yes. All right, Kyle, I, I have an update for the fans, okay? This week, I finally brought all of the international letters down to the post office. Now, I said on Facebook I wasn't going to ship internationally, but we had a couple people like Sarah Malian. How can you say no to, you know, the Queen of Bunk, right? Um, so I ended Fair, up, yeah. you know, uh, Curtis Warner, all right? You know, I can't say no to Curtis for anything, right? So um, I went down to the post office, and it took me literally 45 minutes to fill out all the customs forms. And uh, each one of these ended up costing me like 20 bucks, to ship and i did five of them so this whole operation i've lost money on it kyle i i'm deep in the uh, <laughs> the, uh you know, the, the battle bots mode of of doing things okay go thousands <laughs> of dollars into debt for the love of this this tv show okay <laughs> Ooh, 
you lost money on poker chips in a completely unique and interesting way. Like, think about it that way. Let's let's reframe this in a positive light. But luckily, they're they're you know all of the packages they're out of my house, so I'm able to uh, to again you know sleep sleep well at night. So that uh, you know, Sarah, Sarah, your your package is 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 on the way. And uh, that is it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with Alan, Joshua, and Kyle. This interview is brought to you by Just Cause Robotics and friend of the pod, Seth Schaefer. Seth has competed in BattleBots with Bloodsport and in Season 6 with Retrograde. His goal is to make it easier for new builders to get involved in combat robotics through guides and tutorials and now custom products. If you're interested in learning more, check out his website at JustCauseRobotics.com. That's JustCUZRobotics.com. This week on the podcast, we have three very special first-time guests. Skyline Builders, Alon Belkin, Joshua Kong, and Kyle Loyola. Hey, guys. Um, so last season on BattleBots, Alon capture, uh, captained Axolotl, the pink aquatic animal-themed vertical spinner he designed and built about a month before filming started. This season, Alon and Joshua worked on the pit crew for Cobalt, the powerful vertical disc spinner that Gigabyte Captain John Maladnik acquired in the offseason. Outside of BattleBots, Alon, Joshua, and Kyle teamed up to build Skyline, an ambitious, continuous horizontal hammer saw that they've been testing out on local combat robotics events. We're catching up with the team just days after Skyline's latest competition, this time at Smashbots. We're looking forward to learning about Axolotl, Cobalt, and Skyline in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Alon, Joshua, and Kyle. Hey, guys. Hi there. Hey there. All right. Hey, hey. So whenever we have multiple guests on, um, we like to kind of play uh, our version of the dating game. We want to see how much you guys know about each other. So uh, we're going to ask you guys to introduce each other. So Alon, can you please introduce Joshua to us? Tell us about him. Yeah, so Josh is one of the coolest builders I've ever met. Uh, we can throw him an idea, and he can go in every direction with it and come up with a functional robot. Uh, he's one of the most creative builders I've ever met or ever seen in general. And uh, some of you know, he came up with this concept of a continuous horizontal hammer saw. You know, it's completely different than everything else, and he was he's been a Great teammate, both on Cobalt and on Skyline. Nice. So, uh, Joshua, we're going to go over to you. Can you please introduce us to Kyle? Okay, so Kyle, is, his team name is Logic404. He's actually one of the first people I bumped into on YouTube when I was starting the hobby. So I was excited when I got to fight him at my first competition. But uh, he... He's very well known for doing Mr. Roomba, which is probably the most reliable ring spinner in the world at this point. <laughs> he also does Micro Roomba, Orbital Impact, and a few other cool robots. Um, what I really like is that he uh, he tries to make everything challenging by uh, improving the upon the complexity. And uh, yeah, when it works, it's freaking amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so Kyle, let's sort of round this out. Can you please introduce us all to Alon? Okay, so Alon's uh, well, definitely uh, known for building his uh, heavyweight axolotl, and uh, 
let's see. <laughs> it was uh, uh, the only person I've known that uh, built a heavyweight as his first robot. <laughs> don't don't I don't recommend it. Small robots are the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair enough. So that that'll get us into our kind of first round of questions. We have we wanted to know a little bit more about Axolotl. Um, so. So, Alon, can you tell us how you got onto the show in 2020 with Axolotl? Um, I know it was a very strange season as far as like how, um, you know, people applications were working and people were getting in and out of the show. So what was the process for you? Yeah, for sure. So um, we applied under a month before BattleBots. We wow. had never built a combat robot. We had most of us okay so the way that our team started is jack barker and his team from endgame they all used to do a high school robotics program called vex and they were legends in vex they used to you know they've i think they've won worlds five years consecutively they were like screw for screw copied by the chi by some chinese teams like they were the team in Vex, uh, and they were talking in the back in the big Vex Discord that exists, and saying how they weren't going to bring their uh, their second heavyweight, Krusty Grab, last year. And we had made a joke about them making a team of Vex kids in California to run Krusty Grab as a pit crew, and Jack basically summed it up to like. I'm not going to do that. It's way too expensive. But if you guys want to do it, these guys, uh, Jackpot, just got in like two days ago and they started like three days ago. And we were like, oh, all right, let's do this. Anyone want to do BattleBots? And then uh, fast forward five days and we're accepting the BattleBots, starting to figure out how we manufacture parts. Um, we got really, really lucky with the connections that we have. Uh, we had some amazing sponsors and Cybercut, which is a big machine shop that is owned by my one of my friends from high school. His neighbor owns it, uh, and a couple other amazing sponsors like Senkut Send and uh, Crane Waterjet. All sorts of um, all sorts of amazing connections that allowed us to do what we did in under a month. Um, the other thing with it is that I did not sleep a lot during that event. Uh, or during or before I had I was getting about I was waking up every single day at 8 a.m. and going to sleep every single day at about 3 a.m. working every single minute between them and somehow we built a heavyweight and got in the box three times <laughs> um so Obviously, the the simple answer to this is everything. But what did you learn from that experience? Like, what was your what were your big takeaways uh, from building a heavyweight combat robot for your first time out with no time? Um, one for one, I, I relearned, and I learned this while I was in high school doing high school robotics. Sleep's super important. Yep you you end up not being able to compete well if you don't sleep well. Because, like, we, I can definitely say there were points where it was probably day, like, 13 of BattleBots. I don't even know anymore. What All of them blurred together. Where I probably wasn't finishing sentences. I would start saying something and then trail off in the middle of a word. Um, 
you can see that also in the team pictures uh, for Axolotl. You can see how tired I look, and that's because I was. Um, otherwise, serviceability was a massive thing that we learned, and the second revision of it was going to have uh, a very Hypershock-esque, or a very Hypershock-inspired system of everything in the robot needs to be swappable in like five to ten minutes um, was our kind of like my big goal uh for the robot is to not sit there for an hour trying to get a get a shaft out or something like that yeah that's always a big one um so this is a, a question i always like to ask people who like it's their first time at BattleBots. what's the one thing you wished you'd packed in the crate that you didn't have you know like uh, when everybody goes camping the first time it's like oh man i really wish i had a chair so for us luckily the one of the main ways that we got into BattleBots was that we didn't need a crate. We were we were an hour and a half drive from Long Beach. We're in the LA area, and so there wasn't much. Uh, the biggest things though was not having a bandsaw and not having an impact with us. Luckily, we learned that pretty quickly, and we bought an impact. Um, actually, we borrowed it from uh, my dad's company, but um, the the bandsaw we just kept going around rotating whose bandsaw we were borrowing or we were using for a bit uh everyone everyone used our belt sander though because apparently no one else packed one <laughs> nice um all right so i'm going to pivot over to josh and kyle um so josh why don't you tell us about some of the robots you've built and where you fought so i mostly complete compete in the socal scene for me the best part of the uh robot comic experience is like taking an idea to a finished thing that you can hold in your hand and you know the combat part is really the fulfillment of that so i bring it like completely different robot every time i think my best one right now is trial by combat with uh three first place wins and uh my next most successful is probably propaganda machine which is like a ant weight undercutter i'm not i'm fine with like not having any notable robots because really i just like the design part of it yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, that's definitely something to be proud of that you've brought a bunch of different bots to events and tried a bunch of things. Um, what's your favorite competition that you've fought at so far? That's a hard one to say. I think it's probably... Uh, I really like the underground events in SoCal because, like I said, I get to bring my own design. I get to like drive, and there's a lot of really cool people, and a lot of which have been in BattleBots, and have built some of the best robots over there. So, yeah. Also, I don't have to like get on a plane or anything, which is super nice. <laughs> that is always super nice. All right, so uh, we'll go over to Kyle. Kyle, uh, same question to you. Tell us some about about some of the bots you built and some of the places you fought. Yeah, well, uh, so the bots I built are uh, well, they go with my team name, which is Logic Four Hundred Four. They're well, not really logical to build. Um, like I like to build things as a challenge and i really enjoy that challenge and i build like they're mainly known for building ring spinners and uh they're not really there's not a lot of them out there in in the uh, combat robot scene and um i i always just love just going just keep working on them and just uh see if, how much i can improve that but uh, not just that. I've um, I've built other complex robots. Like um, I had this robot called Neck, or I have this robot called Neck Strain, and it's a play on words for Whiplash, because uh, if you looked it up online, you would see. If you looked up Whiplash online, you would see 
uh, do I have whiplash or do I have neck strain? And this robot is a one pound plastic ant weight and I've managed to put the whole type of lifter or spinner mechanism as whiplash in one pound. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's awesome. It's a very fun robot to drive. Oh, that's great. Oh, I also had um had Matt uh try it out uh in our recent event that was uh, a couple days ago and he really liked the the way it drived. Oh, that's right. He was there with the 12 pounder. That's right. Yeah, I also had a uh, plastic too. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Did you guys get to drive against each other in the competition? Yes. <laughs> That's great. Kyle's being a bit humble here. He uh he won the plastic ant uh, uh competition. Here. Hey, congratulations, Kyle. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So I wanted to kind of pivot over to Cobalt. Um. So this season, two of you worked on the pit crew for Cobalt. So, uh, without revealing any spoilers, obviously, like, tell us everything. What was that like? <laughs> wow, that that robot was crazy. Um, personally, for me, Cobalt, uh, I remember season four, I went to one filming session, uh, mm-hmm. and it was me, my dad, and one of my little brothers, and we were sitting in the, in the audience there, and Duck versus Cobalt happened. And I remember my dad turning to me and going, those British guys right there, they're winning the whole thing. Um, now, season four, they didn't. Season five, you know, you got to tune in, see what happens. Uh, might have, might not have. Um, but, you know, our robot, it, it, with Cobalt being able to work on that team and being able to uh, look through the revisions and the CAD and the design work that uh, Dave Mould, Sam Smith have put in there, like they they put in so much work and the the disc is such is so beautifully made there yeah uh it's really really an awesome robot and um there's a lot to it that made me re-question the theory behind how a vertical spinner works interesting and uh, uh can you elaborate a little bit more on that um just getting to see it up close and seeing the fact seeing what it was doing with a disc and seeing what the the small teeth were able to do um on testing like in in the um in the test box and stuff yeah was it was fascinating to see uh because they're ba- they're based on machining cutters and those those are meant to remove material very very well and that's exactly what cobalt was doing in the test box um it made me really re-question how because i was assuming you needed a bar in order to get really good bite on a vert and cobalt managed to get good bite with a disc with this big tooth on it and a ton of these little teeth so i was also at the filming session where uh, cobalt versus duck was taking place when they wheeled it in i was like man this is just gonna be another vertical spinner that's okay you know then like duck flies halfway to the ceiling 10 times i was like holy crap this thing's amazing and i really like my verts because throwing the other guy in the air is really fun um and you know if i got to choose which team to be on i would actually choose cobalt so this is a really nice opportunity and 
you know, standing up there and watching everything happen was awesome. Also, uh, having designed a lot of verts, it was really interesting to look at this, you know, 250 pound version with, in a lot of ways, vastly different uh, design philosophy that I've put in. And you know what? I have to say it worked. And that's also uh, causing me to look at my designs and say like, you know, how does Cobalt do this? And what can I take from the design? And I'm actually wanting to build a, like a plastic version because uh, the plastic one pound division doesn't have that many verticals. I know, surprising, right? Uh, about the saw disc, I was really surprised that that actually had a mechanism behind it too. And uh, judging by the marks we did leave, I think it did work. But yeah, that is another thing uh, I'll be trialing in future competitions. So how was it working with um, with John Mladnik and the boys? You know, they, they've got quite the reputation as just kind of professionals that really know what they're doing. Um, were they were they fun to work with? Did they kind of give you trouble for being younger? Or like what was what was kind of the vibe there? It was great. Like we leading up to BattleBots for a couple of weeks, we drove down to San Diego and uh, stayed at John's house and really helped him work on the robot on Gigabyte and get it all ready and get it all perfected. And then uh, after that, going to BattleBots, we um, we were there in the pits and I'll be honest, it felt weird to me. I was in the situation where I didn't know quite what to do because things were done. Uh, it was a change of pace from la from the previous year where nothing was ever done. We had to scramble always to, okay, we can sit back and relax because we had one of one of the best people in the entirety of the sport, Matt Maxim. Um, he is not just an amazing human being, but like an amazing builder. Um, yeah. He, he was just the best, not just in how he worked with us, but um and how he just got things done there were multiple times where i asked him matt what can i do to help you and he's like give me like five minutes i come back in five minutes all right matt what do you need me to do oh i finished it um this would be something like taking off the drive like the entire taking part of the entire drive if i was to have done that it would not have taken me five minutes <laughs> right he, um he he's competed in different era where you had 20 minutes to fix your heavyweight after getting tombstoned like, right it was it was just an awesome experience getting to uh getting to work with him really and the um the level of just mechanical skill and how he's able to get things to work and figure out where things will break is just amazing and absolutely invaluable so i want to pivot over to skyline um it is a very strange design i uh got to watch you guys compete with it live at norwalk and um it is just a bizarre thing to behold in the box and i just want to know like how did you get the initial inspiration for skyline i think i can explain uh so I can give you an exact date, actually. That date is August 26, 2019. That is when the I drew the first sketch of uh, what would become Skyline in the back of AP Gov class. Um, so 
I believe his name is Ted Shimoda. This is a uh, old builder. He uh, he has this robot. All right, it's um, you know, it's got a drive base. It's got a long rod on top with a motor, presumably gearbox to attach to it. It's got two wedges at the end, and he would drive up to people and like catch them from the side with the wedges. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Let's make this a destructive thing and put spinners on the ends. And the cool realization is uh, that the fact that we didn't even need the uh, arm transmission or the arm to be powered because of the uh, torque reaction in Newton's third law spinning the whole arm in the opposite direction. So I never really uh, tested the design until uh, about the end of 2020. I met uh, Owen on voice chat of out of the arena and uh, you know, I sort of started catting this plastic ant weight test model because he thought the design was really cool. And the turret spinner. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he motivated me to do it. And I guess, uh, April of this year, like a lot of people are submitting bogus applications, BattleBots applications on, uh, combat floor posting just to get a reaction of the Greg. So I like catted up, uh, a uh, heavyweight tur um, hammer saw, horizontal hammer saw in like an hour and submitted that as well. Well, actually, um, I was going to submit it and uh, people were like, I posted on BattleBots group, people were like, oh, you should build this thing. So I actually decided to get together a team. And uh, he was going to do this solo for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of it was semi-ironic to begin with but yeah I got Kyle because you know I've been to every skill competition with him got along because uh, well he was actually the mentor at first I was originally gonna yeah just help out and try and get the idea of like how to run a heavyweight team and after BattleBots this year we decided to shift focus which we can talk about a little later but uh, um, yeah so Anyway, that happened. Pretty much everybody on the team came together through Discord. And uh, we didn't get accepted that year, so we wanted to prove that it worked. So, you know, Kyle started catting Skyline, I started catting Dusk, and that is how that happened. So, like, what's your best case to the selection committee um, for next season? You know, what what are, what are you going to present to them? What are you thinking as far as, like, um, how you're going to get this thing on the show? Well... I mean, you know, Greg, if you don't like it, we could just like take the arm off, put a spinner on it and turn it in that spinner 90 degrees. <laughs> More correctly, what we can give them, uh, we've, so this last event this weekend, um, and Kyle, feel free to jump in as well. Uh, we've got, we got to what we've been referring to as money shots, which is going around sweeping around and ripping someone's wedge off so we ripped off two wedges uh and we got some really nice hits as well as some really really nice photos of the uh of the robot doing its thing and so we have that we have test footage now we have um a plan on how to make it bigger we're planning to use very reliable components and what what we were told last year during the application period when i was talking to greg about axolotl and i asked him during a call about horizon uh he had asked uh, he told me i love the concept it's really cool we just need to know that it works now we've shown that it works yeah clearly 
And so the hope is we can that BattleBots allows us to bring something unique, cool, new. It's got a unique silhouette. Like this is something that's never been done before, and we're finding we're figuring that out because we're trying to figure out how this works because the physics of it is not simple. Um, it likes to jump. Uh, there'll be we'll we'll be posting videos of that eventually on our social medias. Uh, but yeah. Um, so what are some like big improvements that you've made on this thing since I saw it last since Norwalk? What's some of the, some of the problems that you've solved? So at Norwalk, um, so Skyline was designed in around two months and then I built it in 14 days. (laughs) So I was in a really tight time crunch to get it done before Norwalk. And there were a lot of components that were supposed to be manufactured that I was not able to get done in time. Uh, like our weapons or the, the bars or discs that we put on there, uh, they're powered by gears that are connected to the motors. And they were supposed to be machined from a uh, much more slippier material and... Uh, stuff like that but uh i never got time to finish that so we ended up just putting on our prototype gears and just running it at norwalk and when we found out or what we found out after that was that uh a lot of 3d printed plastic likes likes to melt when you spin them very fast (laughs) so we had uh our printed gears during our matches in norwalk started melting during the matches and our weapons just kind of slowed down and uh, gave up at some point and then we also had uh printed gears in our drive section of this robot and they also started melting (laughs) (laughs) so yeah and then we uh our prototype gears for the drive were used were printed in a very uh fragile plastic and we just never had time to print them in a a high strength version so they just shattered during like a hit just hitting someone or just moving (laughs) you can actually see it in the end of the uh drunken peasant fight if they hadn't tapped out there's a chance you guys might have started counting us out we were barely able to move i think we had two working wheels at that point okay and then oh oh, for this uh event that uh we went to a uh, couple days ago uh we i managed to machine the proper gears uh, which have not failed at all during this event, which is really good sign. Um, all right, so these are gears for the arm. Uh, we did still print the gears for the drive, and in high strength and a higher strength plastic, and they did, they didn't uh, fail as fast. But yes, they did fail in the end, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, we, we we were able to get more time in the box. Uh, fortunately. Also, we uh, managed to get newer weapon disc designs done, uh, thanks to a uh, Sen sponsor. And uh, because during Norwalk, I designed a disc in, I think, like 20 minutes. And just like, right, you know what? Let's just make this. We don't have time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's what happened. Um, so I wanted to move into some listener questions. Um, so we have quite a few. So we have... 
Mammoth teammate Brandon Bennett Young, who wants to know, hey guys, uh, looking forward to seeing you all again in another competition. Um, so what is your, what is the best robot design you've ever seen? And this is, we can kind of go round robin on this. So we'll go ahead and start with you, uh, Alon. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I know, right? Brandon always asks the tough ones. Yeah. He also, his robot also hits pretty hard. Um, yeah, it does. We, we learned that one the hard way. Um, what, what is our, what's my favorite robot? Design? Um, I would say it's probably going to be down to uh, one of three robots that I that are some of my personal favorites: uh, Tantrum, Sawblaze, and Mammoth. Personally, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Blip. I'm gonna I have to throw Blip in there too because uh, that thing is awesome. That thing is so cool. Took Aaron four times to explain it to me until I got it. Um, <laughs> but. Um, between one of those four robots there's something really really cool about um what sawblaze and tantrum do where they're getting their spinners to approach you faster Mm -hmm. um that is doing something different like tantrum's weapon blade is very light and it's able to flip robots um and if they're able to do that it's because it must be you know it's something about how they're engaging the weapon yeah. Our hope as well with Horizons to try and do the same is to engage weapons incredibly fast into robots. But yeah, Kyle, what about you? Well, uh, for me, it has to be the you know the, the complex types of robots with like multiple things moving in them. So yes, you have your hammer saws. Um, you have things like uh, Whiplash. <laughs> you know they have the lifter and arm or discs combo. And um, also just uh, robots that just people aren't really willing to put time into to improve, which is, well, for me, it was uh, ring spinners. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Josh. Yeah, really hard one for me now. I mean, uh, coming from the Hammersaw lineage, I guess, I guess I have to give a shout out to uh, Thagomizer because that thing is so elegant. But yeah. I think uh, in terms of uh, heavyweight, I don't know. I think my favorite robot, though, is got to be uh, Disco Inferno, actually. Yeah. I know it never did well, but I really like, you know, the spinner-lifter combo and having synergy between the weapons. And uh, sometimes I see it in, like, a game perspective. Right? Like, you got, like, primary and secondary, so it's, like, a really interesting robot. I think, you know, if they had done a few more revs, it could have been so devastating yeah i think that that is totally true because like dropping uh like uh we were talking about improving improving approach speed to get more bite well disco inferno was supposed to drop you on top of their spinner so i think that nobody armors the bottom of the robot and a lot of people have like trussing under there it's like you know it could have torn a lot of the uh top 16 robots nowadays apart yeah, and especially the competition in two thousand and er, in uh, in the second season of the reboot. I do want to add to that one robot that I thought of when Josh mentioned Thagomizer, which is another ant weight, another one pounder that personally sticks out to me uh, as just one of the robots that is honestly just so cool. Is uh, Dark Pounder, which I know Kyle has experienced firsthand, but 
uh one of the best matches i've ever seen is kyle's ring spinner uh mr roomba playing against dark pounder hitting the roof over and over again in the um in the bob ash arena it just and just continuing to spin uh, both on kyle's side of building a ring spinner that's able to take that abuse and dark pounder how quick it moves and how hard it hits it's just really awesome um all right so i wanted to move on to a series of questions from alexander archer battlebot supervan alexander archer archer um so you guys kind of already touched on this but he wants to know why is an axolotl competing this season so when it comes down to it Everyone who competes on BattleBots is incredibly lucky to be able to do it. There are a total of 60 spots, 65 spots in the whole world uh, that can get in. Uh, that is it. That is the only amount of people that can get in. Those spots are really, really competitive. And you know what? There's some better robots in Axolotl, unfortunately. Um, you know, I we would have loved to have a second chance, but the, the quality of robot has gone up so much that i think if we had brought what we had upgraded uh what we had designed in the upgrades for axolotl rev 2 we would not have lasted against certain robots we could have beaten some other robots we would have i still hold strong that we would have been totally fine against control robots and against certain verts but for the most part our robot couldn't really deal with high power verts and horizontals which was something we were going to address but with the second revision but after talking to some of the people in the selection committee it really didn't sound like they had the room to get axolotl in it sounded like they wanted it in they everyone loved the logo loved the branding loved all that and it was just really unfortunate they couldn't they couldn't open another spot for it or anything like that we were on the maybe list for a long time um but the problem with that is we didn't want to start building until we got a definite yes and the only time we could have gotten a definite yes was about a month before filming and i have a job now and so that wouldn't have worked <laughs> right. um so are you planning and this is still alexander archer are you planning on trying to get axolotl in for the confirmed seventh season and if so what major upgrades are you guys planning to make the bot work so i can definitely speak to that a little bit uh where i know the team that uh, the old team for axolotl selly still wants to continue it he wants to build it build another one um which if he wants to that's all good um happily i'd love to see the robot back again i'd love to get a mega pit with them that would be great uh but the the main the main thing with it was that we had upgraded the um we gave it a wedge first off um i know people got really mad at ribot for sending it into our forks but it, we were fine with that that's what we wanted like and for anyone who thinks i'm just saying that for the podcast that is genuinely what we had agreed on before the fight we had uh so there was that we wanted we had new fork mounts we had uh, a hard mount wedge we could put on we had bigger weapons faster weapon um new wheels we were going to switch over to vulcanized rubber we swapped the double chain reduction to a single chain reduction with a gearbox that was 
uh, hot swappable with five bolts and the bottom plate coming off. We also moved the access panel to the bottom plate and then gave it a butt, um, which made it better to be able to be more structurally sound and have someone hit AR and also thinned up a lot of the AR because we had we had ended up with uh, a lot of half inch AR all over the robot, uh, oh, which wow. is really really thick for uh, heavyweights where. Uh, and we could have made weight with entirely half-inch AR frame uh, somehow. <laughs> I don't know how we would have, how we did that, but we did. Um, and even still, that we needed more trussing, more support on the inside of it than we did thickness, because stuff still bends. AR is flexible. It's not. It's pretty soft at heavy weights, which yeah. is a weird thing to say, but it is. <laughs> Um, so are you, uh, this is the last question from Alexander Archer. And then I have one more before I pass you off to Chris, but who are you guys rooting for to win the giant nut this season? I guess I'll start cause I already going then we'll throw it over to Josh. Uh, so I personally was rooting for a couple of teams. I was really rooting for our team, obviously, because you know, we were, we were going cobalt's a really, really, really cool robot um yeah it is i was also really rooting for endgame because without them i wouldn't be talking to you right now i would still be watching the show on my own i wouldn't be in this situation without the endgame team and how much they helped us get into this we wouldn't have been able to do it without them helping us out um and i was also rooting for sawblaze because sawblaze is awesome like jmo is very precise and exact about how he drives and it's really beautiful to watch him do it yeah 100 percent. all right josh let's head over to you and ask you the same question i think i have to say a rudy for hypershock because like last year i fought this robot called slipstream it was like a really fast four-wheel driver and when you have a good weapon and you can get somewhere really quickly it is very entertaining and very scary and like the whole robot looks like a product, right? Everything's like anodized and they have like golden chains and like, you know, a lot of, you can tell a lot of work winning that thing. The other robot. I do, I do want to add that to uh, Hypershock as well for me. They, after, after being in the situation, they were massive helps to us on the revision of Axolotl. And then I hung out a lot with Kyle from Hypershock. He was awesome. He is a really cool guy. <laughs> the uh, other robot I was rooting for is actually a Dragon Slayer because I got to talk to uh, Dylan, the uh, machinist at the hotel one night, and he's such like a wholesome guy. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, we're, we're hoping to get them on the pod here pretty soon. We want to learn more about them, so that's awesome. Um, so speaking of Kyle's, Kyle, what are your thoughts? Who did you want to win this season? Oh, man. Um, the thing is that I've, I was just, um, I've been just really like focus on just getting skyline done and working i i haven't really actually looked at the official list yet uh on who's in this upcoming season well i know of course uh alon and josh was in with with uh megabyte and cobalt but uh i, I never really got gave it a thought about that i was just always mainly just focused on getting skyline or our potential heavyweight, you know, thought off or thought out about, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I think that's fair. You know, that's um like on our on our team, Luke is less interested in the competition. He's a lot more interested in the engineering and the kind of creativity that goes behind the builds. And um, I think for a lot of folks, that really is the star of the show, you know. So I had one more question for you guys before we moved on. I wanted to ask you about the the name uh, for the heavyweight that you're considering, um, Horizon, and uh, how that kind of plays off of the original names of, of uh, Skyline that you were working with before. Yeah, so originally the robot was, uh, the name was Ganymede as a reference to uh, Code Geass actually. is actually a very minor reference, but uh, it was like a sort of like a mecha fighter jet theme thing. Uh, I, people just didn't think that was very interesting. And we have a lot of outrun nerds on our team. So uh, people, uh, you know. We have two outrun nerds. That's still a majority, I guess. <laughs> I, we have like 10 people. I mean, there's more people. Like there were more people unified around the the outrun theme than anything else. So, you know, we gave it, we gave it kind of that theme, you know, like purple and like some of the more warm colors and horizon because you know it sounded cool and kind of spacey and uh i think the skyline that was actually we just opened up the thesaurus and put in horizon (laughs) yeah and then horizon and dusk were the two names that came from it now we're we're out of synonyms um so the small robots josh what are they named after again now uh my my one pounder is called Altair because uh, one of my first robots was this enormous bar spinner, and we're kind of going back to that. And yeah, that robot's name was Altair. Uh, my one hundred fifty gram is called Azrael because one of my friends was like, "Hey, that looks like a bibly accurate angel," and I just ran with it. <laughs> I'm still looking for the googly eyes. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I'm going to pass you over to Chris. Uh, I really appreciate the time. And uh, Chris has got some more listener questions for you. All right. All right. Our next question is from Curtis Honeycutt, who uh, has a two-part question. The first, who would win the matchup of Axolotl and a 250-pound Skyline? This one's easy. This is definitely 250-pound Skyline or Horizon. Um, I don't. With what we saw this weekend at Smashbots, the wedge that we had designed for Axel 2 would have been uh, Skyline would have or Horizon would have gone right through it. Like we we saw some massive hits on the twelve pounder hits that some of which were deeper than some heavyweight hits. Uh, we saw about an inch and a quarter of bite, which to the uh, for those that don't know what that means, that means that our blade got an inch and a quarter into someone's frame, uh, which heavyweights mainly get like two to four inches. So I'd call that. I do. Sorry, but I do want to say that we, uh, judging by the slow mo, we hit a wedge head on, and our bl- blade still came to a dead stop. So I think we got in a fight. <laughs> perfect. So we're pretty sure we're getting perfect energy transfer. Or damn near it. Uh, Curtis goes on to ask, do you think your 2020 match against Ribot is an example of the BattleBots producers trying to add unnecessary uh, unnecessary reality show style drama with forced amphibian on amphibian violence? 
Uh, Curtis, I think what you meant to say is frog eat frog. <laughs> so we we actually that was their we were their fourth choice of opponent, I believe. There were four other people before us that were not ready, and they came to us and asked, "Do you guys want to fight?" And we went, "Yeah," because uh, we wanted to get our second fight in. And um, I, from what I heard from my teammates, they had asked us which config to run if they should run the undercutter or the vertical. Apparently one of us said the undercutter. We were all very tired. I don't know exactly who um, who said that or if it was said, but that's what happened. And you know what? We, we put on some good TV. We got hit pretty hard. We threw them almost out of the arena. I'd call that a win. Like, that, we put on a good show. All right, I have a question here from Sumi Shik who... Uh wants to know what's the biggest namesake animal you have seen were you allowed to pick up and how did it respond so i'm assuming this question is for me because yeah um i actually have never seen an axolotl in real life we had submitted a pink robot pink and black robot and what greg told us was i need theming i need something more i need a brand you know like yeti for example has the uh the arctic camo even though it's a it's a box uh or uh he told us about jackpot about how their original theming wasn't that good he told him to come back and revise it and they came back with jackpot which is arguably some of the best theming at BattleBots. period um and so we um we went back to the drawing board and i remember i I was helping my dad out at his um, at a job site, and I went to the car after talking with Greg, and I messaged my team. All right, we need to start figuring out the new like a new name for this, a new theme for it, and we start going through. I think someone looked up list of pink animals. Uh, flamingos were taken. Uh, axolotls looked cute, uh, and then Victoria drew up a logo. And the moment we saw the logo, we were like, "Yes, that's it." We found it. This is it. We're going with it. And to think, if you ended up going down the flamingo route, you probably would have had a matchup against Duck. Ah, uh, maybe that's, that's my bird. That's my avian joke for the day. Hmm. Well, hopefully, two out of death flamingo can take that spot. <laughs> All right. I have a question here from uh, Andrew Freetag who asks if you were to scale up skyline to 250 pounds what matchup would you most dread hearing announced in the pits i think at this point in the time there's a lot of good uh there's a lot of good hard counters for the continuous horizontal hammer so but i gotta say like if we got put up against hypershock we'd be like oh crap because they're they're everything you need to beat in horizontal they've got a good weapon they've got a big wedge they're really fast and like will drives like he stole it yeah well Will's terrifying, and you know if they they've got a working hypershock next year, man, is it going to be scary? Because a lot of our electronic choices are well, hypershock kept it this year, um, and so we we really look up to them and look up to uh to what they're doing. But yeah, they'd be terrifying. Uh, Kyle, do you have anyone else? comes to mind well i guess well for me i 
Uh, the one that would probably be the most fearful of would be um, Tantrum, because just the way Aaron drives, or just or just the way it just drives in general, it's crazy, and um, the way the armor is around it is uh, it's a it's a it's a little tiny brick that's strong, but I don't know. That's the first thing that comes up to mind for me. <laughs> All right, I have a question here from Mike Strapkovic Jr., a yeah. recent guest also of the pod, uh, who runs the very excellent Mr. Psycho channel on YouTube, and he has a swag-related question. Where can I get one of those cool axolotl plushies? Oh, man. So those those we did a very limited production run of. Uh, there were, I think, only 75 made. Um, and... Most of them are sold. I don't know if I've got many left personally because I want to keep a couple. Um, I know that there might be a giveaway on the Scorpios uh, social medias eventually. One in a pink pelican case. Um, so there's that. Otherwise, I if we get enough interest in it, we might bring them back. But it's really, I wouldn't put your money on it. I know there was one person who bought seven of them from us. So you might be able to figure out who that was and contact them. Um, and see if they're willing to sell one. But otherwise, there aren't many left in the world. So there's someone out there who's holding on to a lot of axolotls. Correct. Yeah. All right. Um, Chris uh, Horry has a Robot Arena 2 related question. Not to keep bringing up Robot Arena 2, but when I wrote my guide entry for Game uh, Facts way back when, in the weapon type section for what I called Complex Spinners, at the time, the real world examples I apparently foolishly declared... Virtually impossible nor practical in real life, but you made one. So I gotta ask, how? I think uh, the number one thing is how you look at the design. Because if you look at it like it's a spinner, right? That's really pretty hard to build. And you actually put another spin on top of that. That's pretty, uh, yeah, that does sound pretty impossible. But if you look at the spinner like another robot, then you're just like building two robots. Um... Yeah, I've never really looked at it like a complex spinner. It's always more of a arm type deal. But I guess that's what it is. Like maybe the arm actually has enough kinetic energy to act as a spinner, even though it does go pretty slow. The the short answer is that uh, if you want the physical answer of that, it is fourteen days of Kyle's time. Uh is how we did it. If you want the theory answer of that, it's in reality, each part of the arm is its own robot. So there is a receiver, an ESC, and a motor connected to each weapon. And there's two of those in the arm. And the arm is only connected to the drive base with one bolt, which is that center pivot bolt. Once you close up those two assemblies in the arm, in the arm sandwich, then you, um, then you bolt it down into the drive frame, and that's it. That's... Um, then you build a little drive frame, a little four-motor drive. That thing uh, 
that thing's a lot of fun to drive. Probably one of the most fun robots I've ever driven. Um, and then, yeah, you just connect them all up and make them, make them go. All right, I have, um, I have two questions here from Andre Cruz, who, uh, who writes... What would be the biggest challenge to scaling Skyline up to higher weight classes? And the second question is, how many bounces can you get off Skyline to hit an opponent? Yeah, we've been debating a lot of uh, a lot about you know what the structure should be like, but yeah, so that is I think the number one challenge is structural challenges. Those you know, you got a really long arm, you still got to armor everything up, so the weight has to go around to a lot of things. Uh, material choice, you know, there's like AR, there's aluminum, there's a bunch of other things, but honestly, I think material choice is easier in the lower weight classes. For the uh, bouncing thing, I think the most we've gotten on a Skyline derivative, which in this case would be the prototype, is like three bounces. It's not really designed to bounce, but I think if we got people against the wall, um, we could, you know, hit them into the wall, they bounce back and like the other spin is right there. At least that's what we saw with Droopy this weekend. So I think, you know, circumstances, right? Two bounces is definitely foreseeable. Yeah, I do want to add to this. Um, let's see. Uh, one of the difficulties that uh, we've been facing is that uh, we this, this type of design likes to flip out and sometimes jump. Uh, it depends on... Like we've gotten very mixed results. Like uh, our our first uh, prototype was a little one pound version of it, and um, it just it flipped out so fast. Uh, not even like you know our 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 slowest camera was just like I could shoot at two hundred forty fps. Uh, was able to really figure out we weren't able to see what the heck was happening because it would be the first thing it's spinning around and then you blink and it's on its side just in the air yeah one frame <laughs> later it's in the air next frame on its side on the ground so that happens in a 240th of a second uh and, yeah well, uh though there is a there i have been noticing a trend though uh with uh, skyline which is uh much more heavier um it doesn't flip out as much it still flips out but Definitely not as often, so I'm gonna be hoping or hoping that uh, when we do scale this up, it's not gonna be as sensitive to flipping out. But it all depends on how fast the arm spins. If we could get like a good ratio on getting how fast our arm spins to how fast our weapon spin, I think we should be able to get a good solid robot. I have a question here from Mario Cast who asks. Um, have you all decided to keep Skyline on that four-wheel box? Have you scaled up to the 250-pound class? The reason I ask is because I'm curious if you've considered ways to design Skyline so that it's invertible. So for the most part, Skyline is very invertible. We have that taco on top that lets it just roll over real easy. Um, and uh, it's great until the robot flips and then a horizontal comes in and taps the taco or the stiffeners on the taco are titanium stiffeners that are little pieces of really thin titanium that are bent in order to give us a ton of stiffness on it but when we 
this weekend we had a match with Matt Vasquez uh, of Team Whiplash with his 12-pounder Womper, uh, where he we went in, we engaged, we hit him behind his weapon tooth, which is a fascinating impact. Uh, he actually made the arm go faster. We jumped, landed upside down, he came in and he tapped it. And so that was... And then the taco folded, and we were upside down. End of the match. We lost. Luckily, that was our cheapest match of the day. We lost ten dollars of components, probably if that. Yeah, I think we just we just broke a three D um, printed part. I think actually, <laughs> it's very cheap. And, and oh. the taco. Okay, yeah, that we too. gave him a taco. So like ten bucks. Yeah, we will. We did rebuild, and then we did a grudge match where we tore a wedge <laughs> off. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, overall, it's looking good, though. This weekend is filled me with confidence of this design. It's looking great. I have a question here from Richard Sum, who asks, um, if the version of Skyline scales up well, when can we expect a vertical spinner version? So I have no clue if that works uh, to start off with, but one of our teammates actually has come up with that idea, and uh, he likes naming his robots is coming up with like descriptor and what it's vaguely like and then combining those words and uh so vertical horizon verizon is what he got to um so maybe eventually it might happen but uh when you turn it 90 degrees physics gets weird again and we have to relearn everything we've tested and learned about so far because the amount of testing we've been putting in has been quite a lot to try and figure out what's going on because when you start modeling the physics it's so dynamic that it doesn't make any sense i do have to say one of my one of the things i have thought about is arranging the spinners so the vertical like think counter revolution so a rotator and then you put like a fan in the hub of each blade so like it blows itself around but yeah physics and i don't even want to think about that I think at some point it just becomes a very complicated lawn yeah. ornament. Yeah, exactly. It's already that to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to close out this interview with some questions from Heather Stringfellow, who uh, wants to know first, would you rather axolotl or axolittle? So, funnily enough, axolittle was uh, a name for... I can't remember what weight class. It was a small weight class version of the robot that I started designing right after BattleBots last year. Got about halfway through the design process and then stopped working on it because we were working on the design of the big one. Um, so probably Axolotl. It was a lot more fun than the Beetle CAD because I had more weight to play with. I had more more options Heather also wants to know, what bot would you choose to accompany you on an Indiana Jones-type adventure? Has to be something with high ground clearance then, doesn't it? Um, something like Mammoth, maybe? That might be a fun one. I guess it all depends if the giant boulder is rolling at you. Then you might want as low clearance as possible. For me, I would probably think of like... Yeah. Uh, the, the, the multi like weapon whatever type of robots for like utility or something <laughs> i would actually bring a hypershock because uh 
if you know if you run into some uncontacted civilization you just show them a robot they're like okay give us your technology hypershock or orby for that matter any of the neon yellow bots yes orby is also very good uh but you have to fly him from south korea so it's a little harder all right who would win axolotl versus an army of skylines um that one that one i think axolotl might win uh just with the fact that the the drive on skyline is a beetle all right heather's last question here is where can i get a 250 pound axolotl plushie asking for a friend um i'm pretty sure that the that actually the crate of them that showed up from the production run at my teammate's house was about 200 pounds and so we made very little profit just based on the shipping that we had for that um yeah i guess well 250 pound axolotl plushie would be a lot like a a weighted blanket it would be quite large all right uh do you guys um have any uh any last shout outs or anything before we wrap things up uh yeah our facebook is horizon 250 uh josh what's the the instagram again is it also it's the same thing but it's just full of it's dumb memes people. right now we gotta get working on that we gotta put dummy dummy memes on the facebook bounce it out um yeah so we have horizon 250 on instagram and facebook um possibly some other social media soon uh and we'll be getting the website up hopefully linked somewhere if you guys are able to do that i don't know if you are but uh we'll try and get that up very very soon yeah absolutely and um you know thank you so much for for talking with us uh today alan joshua kyle we're looking forward to seeing skyline in the in the battle box soon uh let's make it happen greg yeah come on greg and trey <laughs> um oh also one more shout out to throw in there is uh we'll probably have fight footage on kyle's youtube channel uh um, oh, yes uh, my youtube channel is a uh, team logic 404 if uh if anyone's going to be waiting for those fight footage of skyline to be popping up fight footage some test footage probably a couple other things yeah awesome. yeah keep us in the know we'd be happy to share that that's great yep and uh yeah keep keep looking out for our social media we're gonna be doing some cool stuff uh merch soon we're gonna have some merch that's gonna stay around and do some exclusive merch that'll happen that'll roll through and do some cool stuff and everything everything every single piece of our merch we're gonna ask ourselves the question would we wear this and if that answer is yes then we're gonna sell it if that answer is no then we're not going to sell it. We're going to get you at, we're going to only do some of the coolest stuff we can do. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks for having us too. Yeah. Thank you for having us. You guys have been awesome. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of robots around the world. Welcome back from the break time for robots around the world. This week, we're traveling to Fort Hood, Texas, where the U.S. Army plans to hold a simulated battle next year using robotic tanks. Five defense contractors have been hired to build unmanned combat vehicles for the exercise. 
The big requirement? They have to use an open systems architecture that allows the army to upgrade the tanks over time with third-party software and sensors. This follows a successful test last year where army engineers turned an armored personnel carrier into a robot. All right, so that's pretty cool, right? Military-grade uh, combat vehicle uh, with, uh, you know, open software that anybody could get in and patch and, you know, use for their own purposes. I see nothing wrong with this. No red flags on my side at all. Very smart, very cool, very ethical, uh, very American. All right, let's let's uh, let's go big. Just white flags. <laughs> Just white flags. Yeah. Yeah, this is totally normal, totally cool. Uh, this is great. This is really great. I uh, I support this. Very legal, very cool. Are there are there laws against this stuff yet? I, I think this is one of those legal because nobody's thought to make a rule against it yet. Right. Right. Um, yes. I, I will I, I will say that uh, there was a competing robots uh, around the world uh, this week. Incidentally, the exact same week, um, they've built this thing that looks like the Boston Dynamic Dog. Instead of it being yellow, it's kind of like black. Yeah. And for the first time, they've put a rifle on top of it. And uh, they were showing this off at a, at a big army show, you know. Yeah, specifically, week. it's a uh, it's a 50 caliber carbine uh, sniper rifle. So um, that's fun. That's that's really yeah. uh, good because that means that's that this blue spot can kill you from uh, like two football fields away. Yeah, it's it's like Boston Dynamics without any of the ethics, you know, like, yes, we'll sell them to cops. We'll sell this to the army. We'll sell it to the military. Uh, at some point, maybe we'll have hundreds of robot dogs just killing one another in uh, in the battlefields, you know, from opposing sides. And this is uh, totally normal, totally fine. Uh, no reason to panic. No reason at all. Maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll just load uh, vaccine needles into the barrel and then send this thing down to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I will, I will, I will remotely, uh, you know, drone operate that. That's, uh, that's the only positive application of this technology I can think of. Yes. Yeah. You could probably log into it. The, the password is admin. (laughs) (laughs) That's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. We'll see you then folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.